Happy Super Bowl Sunday, Connect Church family. Hey, listen, I know all of us are probably thinking to ourselves, you know, this is kind of a weird Super Bowl because we kind of like emotionally are attached to it because, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Thomas Brady. But also we're like, you know, he's wearing a Tampa Bay jersey on his chest, but we know, we all know the jersey he's wearing on his heart, New England baby, let's go. Um, Happy Super Bowl Sunday. My name is Devin. If you don't know who I am, I want to welcome our online audience, all of our city groups. We love you guys so much and I'm so excited. Hey, we're in the middle of a series right now called How to Increase Your Peace. I started this series last week. It's a little mini-series. Uh, more than likely, it's concluding today. But last week, I talked about a few different things. Uh, I talked about how this peace is multidimensional. Now, you need to go back and watch this message. This will be incomplete if you just hear this message and you don't listen to the other one. But peace is multidimensional. What I mean by that? It is spiritual and it's structural. It is both practical and it is spiritual. So peace is this internal and external thing. Last week we talked about the spiritual. This week I want to talk about the structural. Like how to structure your life and order your life for peace. But last week you got to go back and listen to that message because there was multiple different things with it. We talked about pace. Come on, a pace of life. Uh, that we're going at is just so unsustainable and it is unhealthy. We talked about how uh, the pace of life that we're going at, that a busy schedule is okay, but a hurried life is not. You're killing yourself with your pace. We talked about praying and processing, that releasing is prayer, but then even redirecting and refocusing how you process life is so important. And of course, the last one was praising. And we talked about how, listen, when praises go up, anxiety goes down. And I had this revelation, I had this moment with my son after I kind of realized it, that you got to go back to this analogy I thought was so powerful to really what all of us struggle with, with is anxiety, is many of us have this internal war, this internal battle within us, but it's not a result of the presence of darkness or the presence of problems, but the absence of protection. Go back and watch that message. Check that thing out. This week, I want to talk about something a little different. So last week was really addressing the internal world, the spiritual, the emotional, the internal. This week I want to talk about the structural and really the practical, ordering your life in a way that you can have peace. Come on, how many want peace? I need you to turn to your neighbor. If you're at Citigroup, turn to your neighbor, to your left or to your right, and just say, you need peace. Come on, you need peace. I need to see you. I need to see you do it. You need peace. All of us need peace. And I want to help you structure your life to do so. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I'm going to read out a message paraphrase because this is what it says. It's so beautifully written. Uh, Jesus says this, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? One version, the Amplified version says, Are you burned out by religious rituals that provide no peace? <laughs> he says, Come to me. Get away with me and you will cover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and then work with me. He says, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And this is the Christian walk. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. Come to me and I will give you rest. One translation says, I will give you rest for your souls. Here's the title of today's message is this. I want to give you four strategies for stress. Four strategies for stress. Anxiety is internal. Stress is external. But I want to help you order your life in a way that you can reduce 
stress. How many are interested in that today? Come on. I know we live in a very stressful world. There's a lot of stress in this season, but I'm telling you, you order your way and you order your life in a way that you can be set up for peace. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing. Uh, I ask that my brothers and sisters, my church family, my family, my friends, would be able to learn strategies, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Help us to come to Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Help us to see him in this message today, not just to know about him, but to follow him, to learn from him. I pray that we would encounter the power of God and we would experience heaven today. Help us and help me to speak with boldness, with clarity. I ask that you would help me as we declare this message in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. It's time to get to work. So I want to give you four strategies of stress. Before that, let me just ask a simple question. If you had to describe the human condition, humanity's condition, in one word right now, what would that word be? I thought of a lot of different words. I thought through maybe innovative. I thought through divided. Some situations, they're more united. Some places, there's growth. Some places, there's death. But I would say that the primary word to describe the human condition and the human soul right now in the season that we're in is this one word, tired. It's tired. Through this text, through my personal and professional observation, and I bet you you would say the same, People are tired. You can't go without hearing it. How you doing, buddy? How you doing, bro? Um, I'm all right. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. How you doing? You just, people naturally, this is just our natural response. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I'm fatigued. You hear this every which way you go. If you talk to your neighbor, if you talk to a friend, if you introduce yourself to somebody at the register, they're just saying, I'm tired. People are exhausted. I remember hearing this preacher illustration, this preacher story uh, that I loved. It was this young man who reached out to the pastor on a Monday. He goes, Pastor, it's an emergency. I need help. Didn't hear from him. He texted him. He called him. He contacted his assistant. He walked into the office. No response. Tuesday morning, the pastor calls the young man. He says, young man, how can I help you? He goes, Pastor, I needed you yesterday. This was an emergency. And the pastor says, uh, young man, I was actually resting. Uh, Mondays are my Sabbath. And I need to take time to rest. And the young man said, it was an emergency. I need you. The devil never sleeps. He called the pastor out. And the pastor said, young man, first of all, if I don't rest, I'll become like the devil. And young man, I'd also say the reason you're acting like a little devil is because you're, rest, you're not resting and you're stressed. And young man, the last thing I want to ask you is this. When did the devil become your role model? Come on, city groups. I'm talking to you. Come on, the reason so many of y'all are so stressed out and are acting like little devils is because you got no rest. You don't have rest in your souls because you're tired, you're fatigued, you're stressed out. Listen to me, stress in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. It's pressure put on you circumstantially. Stressed out is a terrible thing. It speaks to a condition of the soul. And Jesus' invitation is come to me if you are weary, if you are burdened. And I will give you rest. But I heard one author, John Mark Comer, he said it like this. He says, listen, if you want to adopt the life of Jesus, living freely and lightly, finding rest for your souls, not being burnt out on religion, not being burnt out or worried out or freaking out or stressed out. Essentially, he's saying, if you want to adopt the life of Jesus, being, being free and being light, 
And you need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If you want the life of Jesus, you need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And I think there are four different strategies I'm going to give you. They're not exhaustive. This is through my excavation through Scripture and my personal experiences. But I'm telling you, there's a way. You don't have to be stressed. But first, I want you to imagine this. Imagine for a second you're walking into the doctor's office. I'm going to be your doctor for today. And you're going to fill out this little checkboard, this little clipboard of all the symptoms of stress. This is not an exhaustive list. But this is a list, nonetheless, that will really help you to identify whether you are stressed or not. First, the first thing of a stressed person is they are passionless. You've lost your passion. You've lost your fire. You've lost your zeal. Is a person that's stressed out, they don't have the exuberance, the excitement, the zealousness towards life anymore. You want to know how you're stressed? You've lost your joy. You've lost your passion. There's a scripture in Jeremiah that I think about. Is it says, uh, it's like a fire shut up in my bones, and I'm, I'm weary if I can't let it out. He's talking about uh, the Word of God. If he, if he can't preach, if he can't tell people about the gospel, if he can't tell people about the good news, he feels like it's a fire shut up in his bones, and he becomes weary. He becomes anxious. He's stressed out. That's what many of us are in the position in right now, is you've lost your fire, and you need to get your fire back. And I believe through some strategies, through some circumstances, through some principles and some order, you can get your fire back. Come on. Some of y'all put that in the chat today. I'm getting my fire back. You're getting your fire back. So a person that's stressed out is passionless. The second thing I wrote down was this, is there's numbness. In other words, some people are so passionate and some people are just numb. Some people can't feel the things that they once felt. There is this psychological term for burnout. It is called compassion fatigue. In other words, the things that used to emotionally move you no longer move you. The things that once were, uh, I don't know, made you empathetic. The things that once just pushed you, moved you, you were led by compassion. You no longer even feel things anymore because you're stressed and your body is not working the way it's supposed to work. You are passionless. There's numbness. Here's another one, drunkenness. And here's what I don't mean. I don't necessarily mean with a bottle, although that is one. It is emotionalism or it is escapism. It's drunkenness. Some people get numb when they're stressed. Some people get drunk emotionally when they're stressed. And people freak out the smallest things. Babe, can you put your dishes in the dishwasher? Why would I do that? I just had a long day at work. Come on, I'm talking to some of the husbands right now. Is you get emotionally drunk because you are stressed out. Am I talking to anybody right now? Am I stepping on any toes right now? I know I'm stepping on toes right now. I'm coming for bodies today. The fourth symptom I wrote down was this. You're joyless. My gosh, this is a huge passion of mine, is I want to instill joy back into the body of Christ, specifically with our local church. I see a lot of people where they got joy, but listen, I don't trust Christians that don't have joy. Why? Because Romans 14, 17 says it like this. The kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking, essentially saying it's not solely about pleasure, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, being in right standing with God, peace. Come on, having harmony in your soul and joy in the Holy Spirit. Listen, a Christian, a Christianity without joy is not Christianity. If write this down in your notes. If you don't laugh, you won't last. If you don't laugh, you won't last. It is a result of being so stressed is you don't have joy. You need to laugh more. We're going to get into that in a few minutes. Here's the fifth symptom I wrote down is this. They're productionless. They don't produce the same way. It will take you twice as long to produce the same things you used to produce. Why? Because you're not focused. You're not sharp. 
You're not operating the way you once did. You're productionless. And here's the last one is sleepless. Because you don't rest. As you go to bed at night, you can't fall asleep. You wake up early in the morning and your body won't even allow you to, to rest. It is the symptoms of the stressed. Because write this down. This is what happens. When there is depletion, it becomes depression. Depletion turns into depression. And so we need to put some good deposits in. We need to give you some encouragement today. Today, We need to give you some principles today. Because here's my big idea for the whole message. Is the peace of God is a result of the presence of God. The presence of God brings peace. The principles of God bring prosperity. The presence of God brings peace. But the principles of God brings prosperity. I want to ask you two simple questions. These are my two favorite questions I've been asking myself and asking some of my team and some of the people I coach and counsel. It's this. In this season of your life, are you fruitful and are you fulfilled? Are you fruitful and are you fulfilled? Fruitfulness speaks to your production. As if you are like a tree, are you producing good fruit? Are you producing the fruit that God wants you to produce? But you're only fruitful if you're fulfilled. Come on, some of us don't have a problem with this. Where we wake up early in the morning and our body just naturally wakes us up because we got our fire, we got our passion, we got vision. If you have to snooze through all these alarms all the time, it's probably because you got nothing good to wake up for. And so you need vision again. You need passion again. You need order again. And I'm telling you both through information and through experiences, God wants to give you that back. I wrote it down later on in my notes, but I think it's more appropriate here. Is some things are healed by teaching and some things are healed by touch. So some things are taught, some things are touched. And so some of us just need the touch of God on our hearts today that God would create in me a new spirit, Psalm 51, a new spirit, a steadfast spirit within me. And some are created just by teaching. And so I'm hoping that God can do really both today. That through this technology, through our city groups, through online campus, that God can really touch your heart and he can impart something on the inside of you to give you your fire back. But then you need some teaching, some order, some principles you put in a place where you can have prosperity in your life. I hope I'm talking to somebody today. So here's what you need. You need a few things. Are you fruitful and are you fulfilled? There's this term, there's this psychological term, it's called psychosomatic. Psychosomatic, my definition essentially is this, is that you experience physical stresses because of mental health problems. Essentially it is when you are sociology, your psychology affects your physiology. Your physiology. Yeah, I think I said it right. And so it basically is when your mind is so stressed out that eventually your body becomes sick. It is psychosomatic. And so many of us are in this position where we are thinking ourselves sick. You're stressed. And God wants to heal that stress today. I'll give you one more story and I want to get into my points. But hopefully I'm driving this point home. Some of us are stressed. And listen to me. <laughs> I've got so many things i got to say. Listen to me. Denial is a stress accelerant. Write that down in your notes, please. For my note takers. Denial is a stress accelerant. If you are denying the fact that you are not stressed. If you are denying the fact that you're maybe anxious. And you're just trying to bulldoze through it. Not everybody is. I'm not trying to tell you and diagnose you that you are definitely stressed or you're anxious, but many of us are denying it. And denial is the fastest accelerant to stress and depression because depletion leads to depression. But listen, there was this one uh, pastor. He comes up on a Sunday. It was, it was really interesting because I've never seen somebody do this. Unannounced, some of his staff didn't even necessarily know this. He walked up to his congregation, about 5,000 people. Pastor Howard, he was in the South, made national coverage. And he goes up to his church, about 5,000 people, and he tells, 
He tells them, I'm taking a sabbatical. I need rest. And he just said, my soul is tired. That's all he said. He said, my soul is tired. It was so raw. It was so real. It was actually really refreshing. So, of course, there were some articles like speculation that there might have been a moral failure. Maybe the staff or the board or the overseers are forcing him to take some rest because there was a mistake made. And he addressed all that in his message. He said, no, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't make a financial decision. I didn't sleep with somebody. I didn't have a moral failure. All he said was, my soul is tired. And this is Jesus' call to all of us. Are you burned out? Are you tired? Do you need rest for your soul? Come to me, watch how I do it, and I will give you rest. I will give you this way to live freely and lightly. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I want to give you four strategies for stress. I hope you write these down because there's some super practicality to this. Remember, this week is more practical and structural. Number one is this, a strategic, strategic picks. Strategic picks. Write this down. You cannot live a good life with a bad pick. You cannot live a good life with bad picks. We need to be so wise, so discerning on the decisions that we are making. I'll give you this ridiculous story. So you guys remember last year, I think it was last year, maybe it was two summers ago, but there was this phenomenon going on between two different restaurants, Chick-fil-A and Popeye's. Okay, so Chick-fil-A and Popeye's had these spicy chicken sandwiches. You're probably thinking to yourself, where in the world is he going with this? Just, just follow me, okay, for a second. We need to settle this debate. Our church needs this, okay? Your soul is tired. You need a spicy chicken sandwich. For some of the vegetarians, you still need the spicy chicken sandwich, okay? So I went to Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is Jesus' chicken. It is Jesus' place, the best customer service on the planet. It is the greatest place on the planet. If you want to sponsor me Chick-fil-A, I do have a YouTube channel. You can send me some free stuff. It's cool. I'm, I'm fine with that. But... Uh, we were going between Chick-fil-A and Popeye's, and everybody's like, yo, you got to try this Popeye's chicken sandwich. This spicy chicken sandwich is crazy. I go, bro, it's not going to be Chick-fil-A. There's no way. I'm going to Lemonster this one time. I go to pick up my man, Jimmy Klimwitz. Shout out to the hype man. He's a part of CY team, one of the greatest leaders. And uh, so we're going out there. He goes, yo, there's a Popeye's in my town. And I go, bro, it's time to put your money where your mouth is. Let's go. There's no way this spicy chicken sandwich from Popeye's is as good as Chick-fil-A spicy chicken sandwich. I walk into this Popeye's. To my surprise, walk in, place is pretty clean, customer service was pretty solid. I'm not even gonna lie. So we go up, and I said, I need a spicy chicken sandwich. I need a number seven or whatever number it was. And so they go, okay, would you like biscuits with that? I'm like, they, they have biscuits? They give, they give biscuits with that. I asked for some honey on top. It actually was the most glorious thing I've ever experienced. I grabbed the spicy chicken sandwich. I eat the food. I got to be honest with you. It was good. It was, it was good. And I don't know where I lie, but it's probably like neck and neck to be honest. But here was the deal. Literally, I was like, I have to make a decision. Who's better? Is it? Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich, or is it Chick-fil-A's spicy chicken sandwich? And guess what happened? Literally, Jesus was the one that served me. Now, I know you're probably thinking, wow, you're over-spiritualizing that. No, I'm not kidding. The general manager at Popeye's, his name was Jesus. It was Jesus, dude. Jesus literally served me bread and two fish. I'm just kidding. It wasn't fish. It was chicken. He served me bread 
I literally was like, hey, Jesus, can, like, maybe you break this, and then, I don't I have abundance, and then, like, there's bushels of stuff. I don't know. Just maybe multiply my food. Literally, you don't believe me? Look at this picture, okay? I'm, I'm going to show you this picture. G I, I took this picture because I knew I was going to have this illustration, and people would not believe me. I'm like, Jesus, it literally says it's in his name tag, Jesus, the general manager. How many know? Jesus literally served me the spicy chicken sandwich. It's settled. The spicy chicken sandwich is Popeye's might be a little bit better, but Chick-fil-A is definitely better as an organization. There's no question about it. I'm playing both sides of the fence. But how many know? Here's why, here's why I'm saying this. This is why I'm communicating this right now. Come, come back. I know you're probably hopefully laughing. I, I can't really tell. I'm laughing in my own head. How many know that when you're making a decision, Jesus isn't always going to show up? Right? What do you do when you don't know what to do and you don't know if God wants you to do that? Not every situation, Jesus is not going to show up. So how do you make wise choices? How do you make wise decisions? How do you make good decisions? Well, we have to be very strategic, specifically in one area. There's many different areas we have to be very strategic on our choices with. But specifically in one area, it would be the people you have in your life. My mom used to say this to me. She said this. She says, Devin, your greatest asset or your greatest liability will be in the person you choose to partner with for the rest of your life, your spouse. And it was so true. And thank God for the beautiful Brasileira that God sent me, Natalia Santos Fry. Love you, girl. Thank God. But she helped me. My mom helped me make some wise choices and wise decisions. The Bible says this in, in Deuteronomy chapter 30. He says, before you, I have set before you life and death. Blessings and curses. So listen to me. Choose life. Choose life. Essentially, he's saying, I don't choose for you. I will present options to you, and you choose. So how do you choose right, especially when it comes to people? Well, there's a scripture in the uh, New Testament. It's in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. What if you looked at it through this lens, that there are two different types of people? There are peacemakers and peacetakers. Come on, look through that lens, look through that filter. Is, is somebody making peace and giving me peace in my life, or are they taking my peace? There are peacemakers and peacetakers. We have to be so careful with who we give our time to. Now listen to me, John Maxwell says it like this. And I can feel some of y'all starting to disagree with me, and that's okay. But watch, I'm going to show you how incredibly biblical this is. He says this, everybody deserves love, but not everybody deserves my time. Everybody deserves my love, but not everybody deserves my time. And Jesus was so intentional with his choices of who he did life with. And you have to be the very same. Paul did this. Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement. And so they separated. They realized that they're good people, but they don't have good chemistry. Listen to me. Chemistry is a thing. Suitability is a thing. They can be a good person, but it doesn't mean they have, that you guys have good chemistry. And I've realized this, that peace is a result of the people that are in my life. But watch, it's also a result of the people walking out of my life. Pops, I, I can feel their, their judgment, but I'm really trying to help some of them. I'm talking to you. I'm stepping on your toes. You need to make sure you know who to keep. Write this down. Know to keep and know who to lose. Jesus did this. Paul did this. Listen to me. 
The story of Jonah is a perfect testament to this. Jonah was supposed to preach to Nineveh, right? He had the calling of God on his life. Go preach repentance to Nineveh. They need to repent of their sins, and you are the guy to do it. And Jonah says, no, I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. I hate those people. I'm running away from it. He goes to Joppa. He gets on a ship, and then they're going overseas. He tells the, the crew, he tells the, the people on deck, and he's like, listen, I'm, I'm basically running away from this city. I don't want to be here. Take me as far away as you can from that place. So they know. They end up facing this crazy storm, which, by the way, for a second, can we just pause for a second? Pause in the middle of the sermon. God is so committed to you. He's way more committed to you than you are committed to you. And so Jonah was to fulfill the call of God in his life. The Bible says that the gifts and call of God are irrevocable. And so God did not give up on Jonah, even though Jonah gave up on God. Are you hearing me right now? So even when Jonah ran from the calling on his life, God says, no, I'm recalculating you. God is so much more committed to you than Waze or Siri is. Are you hearing me right now? I'm preaching real good right now. So even though Jonah was running away from the call of God that was on his life, God still went for him, went after him and said, no, I'm going to recalculate you. I'm going to get a fish. He's going to swallow you up and he's going to spit you back out on land so you can go do and fulfill your assignment. But listen, back to the story, back to the sermon. Jonah literally told the crew, I'm running away. And so the crew, this is what they're doing. When they're facing a crazy storm, they all thought they were going to die. So what did they do? They threw some things overboard. They threw load off so that the ship could be lighter, so that it could navigate the stormy seas. And then they realized, I don't need to throw off something. I need to throw off someone. And what happened? Jonah literally says, throw me off the boat, and the storm and the seas will be calm. And what happened? As soon as they threw him off the boat, it became calm. Prove my point. Biblical. And you got to know who to keep. And you got to know who to lose. There are some people we absolutely have to love them, but we have to love them from a distance for your own sanity, for your own peace. It is not selfish. That is stewardship. So, I want to ask a simple question. Is how do I make wise choices? How do I choose life? How do I pick well? You've convinced me, Devin. I can't live a good life with bad picks or bad decisions. I want order in my life, so how do I do it? For big decisions, listen to me. For big decisions, you need these three things for criteria. You need his word, you need his spirit, and you need his body, his people, or wise counsel. His word, his spirit, his body. If you are going to move to a different city, if you're moving and taking a job, if you're getting into a relationship, if you're starting to date, any big decision requires some serious criteria. Choose life. Choose life. Don't just live emotionally, living off of impulses. Or it might seem right. There's a scripture in Proverbs. There's one way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death and destruction. So that's why God puts principles into place so that you can have prosperity, so you can be prosperous. I'm telling you, this is so good for you. Strategic picks. Strategic picks. And listen to me. Uh, I heard Pastor Darius Daniels, one of my favorite preachers on the planet, he says it like this. He says, when you don't have a word from God, you need the wisdom of God. Operate with the wisdom of God. When you don't have a word, use wisdom. And so God put principles, rules, and, and his laws, his statutes in the scriptures. You need his word. You need his spirit. His spirit tells you, no, it says either go or no. It says he encourages you to go forward or he restrains you from going backwards. And restrains you and goes backwards. That's his spirit. But then also his people, godly counsel, godly and wise counsel to live a good life. You need to have good picks.
Here's the second thing would be this. The second thing would be to have strategic play. Strategic play. I told you I'm bringing this back. Do you know there was a study done conducted between adults and children. And the average adult laughs 15 times a day. The average child laughs 400 times a day. I heard this quote. I thought it was brilliant. Um, we don't stop playing because we get old. We get old because we stop playing. That's a reality for so many of us. Some of y'all are so stressed out. And God put and wired us to enjoy life. Listen to me. Life is not supposed to be endured. It was to be enjoyed. Life is not supposed to be endured. It's supposed to be enjoyed. And I can feel the religious. I can feel the religiosity on so many people. Where it's like, Devin, this is heaven or hell issues. We're called to produce. You are not, a pastor said this to me recently, Pastor Larry Stockstill, he's mentoring my dad and I. And he said this, he goes, God's not just trying to get more mileage out of you. God is not some utilitarian boss God up in the sky just trying to get mileage out of you. He loves you. He created you for his enjoyment and he wants you to enjoy life too. The wisest man who ever lived, Ecclesiastes, he says it like this. Solomon says, I recommend having fun. Because there's nothing better for people in this world to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way we will experience some happiness along the way with all the hard work God has given them under the sun. The Bible is support of this philosophy. To work hard and to play hard. Y'all just need to loosen up and enjoy life. Life was not meant to be endured, but enjoyed. And you're so stressed out. Because you're not enjoying yourselves and you're not playing and enjoying God, enjoying life, enjoying creation. Life is meant to be enjoyed, not just endured. There's this psychological term. It's called PDD, play deficit disorder. Many of our kids are struggling with this right now. I was just reading this. Many of our kids are struggling from play deficit disorder. In other words, what happens is, the kids are not playing and their immune system, they're not laughing enough, their immune system's struggling. Their brain development is lackluster because they're not enjoying and playing outside anymore. And, and when we're just putting people in front of their tablets and we're just watching TV and we're just doing all this stuff, it is literally killing us. It stunts our growth. Playing, it's a real thing. It's an important thing. There's another scripture. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit Dries up the bones. Laughter strengthens your immune system. It boosts your mood. It diminishes pain. And it protects, protects you from damaging effects of stress. I posted this on my Instagram not too long ago. A boring Christian is a terrible advertisement for heaven. <laughs> I am convinced we need to instill joy in Christianity. Joyless Christianity is not Christianity. If you don't laugh, you won't last. And fun should be a fundamental, a fundamental within Christianity. We need to have more fun. Somebody just hit me up the other day. Uh, Whitney Cook, our student director, she runs CY on Wednesday nights. By the way, in the global pandemic, our student ministry is blowing up right now. It's amazing. I'm so proud of her. Uh, Wednesday nights, uh, we would love to have some of your students, high school students, middle school students, come through. They're killing it right now. Of course, we're following guidelines and being safe and excellent. But there's great leadership in there. Whitney asked me, she goes, hey, do you want to take the Arctic plunge with me and a few other people? And I was like, what does that even mean? She's going to drive an hour to the beach, jump in this ice-cold brick Arctic tundra water, and then they're just going to go home. I'm like, that sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. 
And I thought to myself, Devin, when did you get so old where ridiculous things like that sound horrible? I used to be that guy inviting people. But now because of responsibility, because I've gotten old, I'm popping out grays. I got wrinkles under my eyes. I'm stressed, you know. I'm like, every once in a while, you need to do something ridiculous and just enjoy yourself. Enjoy life. Come on, turn to your neighbor. I'm preaching right now to our church. Preach and turn to your neighbor and just say, you need to enjoy life more. Come on, laugh a little bit. you got to laugh. I-, I want you to go home and set something on fire. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. That would be horrible. Definitely when you're walking outside, if there's snow on the ground still, grab a snowball, chuck it at a neighbor. Who knows? Just throw it up in the sky. It hits somebody. It hits somebody. But enjoy yourselves. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Horrible advice from this pastor. Enjoy yourselves. Have some fun. Enjoy life. It's not all about production, but enjoyment. You have to have strategic picks, strategic play. Here's the third thing is be strategically present. i got to go quick because I'm running out of time. I hope you're getting some of this out of this message. Be strategically present. Um, There's this book I was reading, The Law of Happiness by Henry Cloud. He says this. He says, Why is it that in some moments, in some minutes, it feels like hours, but in some minutes feel like seconds? And he gives two suggestions. He says one is this word called mindfulness from the scriptures is you are completely present, you are completely aware of what's going on. And the second would be this word wholehearted. You see this all throughout scripture, that they serve God with wholehearted devotion. Being completely honest, completely transparent. Honestly, this, I am ashamed of this. And this is something I had to repent to my wife for and repent to God for. My wife uh, essentially called me out the other day. I'm very grateful for a wife that would, is not just an encourager, but a challenger. She, she helps me grow quite a bit. And I'm so grateful. She ended up saying, she goes, Dev, when you get home, a lot of times you're on your phone and you're physically present, but mentally you're not here. She goes, our boys need you. And it, I genuinely, I was like so convicted. And I had to repent to her. I had to repent to God that night. And she just said, I just want you present when you're home. I bet you I'm not the only one. I bet you I'm not the only one that does that. Where you walk into your house and you still take work into the house, and people are hitting you up, and there's emergencies, there's things happening. But my primary responsibility is my family first. It's taking care of my family. It's taking care of the ministry that God gave me. And it's taking care of my people, my own soul, self-care. It's so important. But so many of us, we're not present in the moments that we're in. Matter of fact, there's a scripture. It says in Ecclesiastes 11, even if you live a long time, don't take a single day for granted. Take delight in each light-filled hour. Listen, if anything is worth doing, it's worth doing wholeheartedly. Be strategically present. Be present in every moment. I bet you God is asking that very same thing to us. Is what Natalia asked me, God is asking so many of us, is when you're here, can you just be present with me? Not being distracted. Take your phone away. Take your notes if you need to. But I just want to be with you. You can be physically here, but mentally be completely somewhere else. Be strategically present. That's how you defeat stress. Here's the four things. Have a strategic place. Listen to me. In a loud world, you need a quiet place. David was complaining. He was really complaining to God, so it's not wrong. But he was just being honest. He's like, God, why are all these people succeeding? Why why am I so stressed out? He literally says in Psalm 73, All day long I've been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. Then it goes on in verse 17. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. But then I entered the sanctuary of God. 
I know I said this week is more structural and practical, but listen to me. Some things are practical. Some things are spiritual. This is both. Is you need a place where you can get in his presence. I said this at the very end of last week, and it's the very same conclusion. You need a place where you can get into the presence of God because the presence of God brings peace and the principles of God brings prosperity. You need both. You need order in your life. You need to be strategic about your decisions you're making, strategic about your play, being strategically present in areas. But you need a strategic place where you can exchange the weight that is on you and give it to God. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace so that you can live freely and you can live lightly. This is Jesus' invitation to all of us. I told you my dad and I were sitting under Pastor Larry Stockstill. We were down in Florida, but what we did was we took an airplane, we went up to the front desk, we exchanged our baggage, we gave it to the lady, and we didn't see it again until we went back down to Florida. Of course, we got back down, we went to our hotel, we dropped off our bags, and then we went to the church, and we got invested in for the next three days. It was incredible. But people see our arrival, but what they didn't see is the baggage that we dropped off. That someone, watch this, someone took the baggage that we did not have to carry anymore. This is God. This is Jesus' invitation. Is He's saying, come to me. If you want my life, you need my lifestyle. Come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus is not speaking to unbelievers. He's not even just speaking to believers. He's speaking to the leaders. He's speaking to the pastors. He's speaking to the religious elite. And he's saying, are you tired? Because listen, you can be saved, but you can be stressed. And God says, come to me and I will give you rest. Stress doesn't stand a chance. When you have these principles and these practices in place that I've given you the last few weeks is your pace. You're praising and you're processing and you're praying. And then this week, being strategic about your picks, being strategic about your play, being strategic about being your present in moments. And then, of course, having a strategic place. I'm telling you, stress doesn't stand a chance because life was not meant to be endured. It was meant to be enjoyed. And too many of us are stressed out of our minds. But God says, come to me. And I will give you rest. I want to give you this last scripture and I want to pray for you. The Bible says in Acts 3.19, it says, Repent, then turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, and the times of refreshing may come. I want to pray for you. Father, I ask right now for my brothers and sisters online, in city groups, wherever they're watching from, locally, regionally, globally, I ask in Jesus' name that the times of refreshing would come, because now there is repentance. All it means is a change of mind. So, Father, we redirect our thoughts that now we put it back on you. We want to have rest for our souls. And I pray that anxiety wouldn't stand a chance. Stress doesn't stand a chance. We're not going to be defined by being passionless, by being productionless, sleepless, numb. No, God. I pray that they would get their fire back. I pray that they would get their joy back, that they would laugh, they would enjoy life, not endure it. So, Father, help us to engage in your presence and also with your principles. We thank you, Lord. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, in all the city groups, including online, 
wherever you're watching from right now, I want to pray for you and I want to give you the opportunity to accept really the Prince of Peace, Jesus. I said this last week, but if you want peace, you need to make Jesus your Prince. He lived a perfect and sinless life on this earth and he died for you and me. And he would do it again if he had to, but he doesn't have to because it is finished. He gave you this opportunity today by grace through faith. If you confess with your heart, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And you can have eternal security with God. But he also wants to show you the way to be an example. So he can give you heaven. But he can also teach you how to live heaven on earth. That's my, that's my mission. That's my purpose. So if that's you, I want to give you on a count of three. You either click this button or you raise your hand. If you're online, you click this button. If you're in person, you raise this hand. Or you can text CC SAVE to 97000. We're just asking you to engage with Jesus. If that's you, one, Jesus loves you so much. Two, today he died for you. And don't wait another minute for three. Today is your day for salvation. Would you raise your hand? Would you click that button? Would you send a text message? We want to help you in this journey of faith. Because I'm telling you, you can increase your peace. For peace is your portion. Peace is possible. And peace is practical. I love you so much, church family. I pray this message blessed you. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. Uh, check out last week's message. I'm telling you, it'll help you. I love you so much. God bless you.